Hello and welcome to the two tones, Tony DeVolfo and Tony Moclair. How are you, Tone? How are you, Tony? Uh, lovely to see blue skies and and, and certainly uh, I'm bright and chipper, as you would be after the weekend's uh, results. You certainly would be. It is episode 29, so this one is dedicated to Simon Bowie Beaumont and... The great Heath Scotland. Oh, what a man. What a player he was. Scotland the brave. We miss him dearly. Um, and Bowie, of course... Booted a lazy eight for Carlton in a half against Collingwood at the MCG, and he's still dining out on that one. If you don't mind, I wonder how many people, after visiting the Beaumont household, I don't know, if the plumber's there to fix the sink, Bowie would probably come out and say, did you know I kicked eight in half? He's got, he's, I've got the DVD here. He's got the game on permanent loop <laughs> at his house, Toad, so um, I haven't been invited over yet, so Bowie, if you're listening, I'm looking forward to that. Now, speaking of games, well worth re-watching over and over again. Carlton, 11-12-78, defeating Melbourne, 7-16-58. Never bested, uh, led uh, first quarter by 15 points and uh, led at every change thereafter, Tone. To paraphrase the great Paul Keating, this was a victory for the Blue Believers, Tony. A beautiful it was set of magnificent. numbers. It was too. It was. You were right. They were never headed from go to woe. It was magnificent when the range came to just oh, to yeah. stymie any, any you know, sniff of victory that Melbourne may have had. And I might say, Tony, that on my way to the, um, the great sport, sporting cauldron uh, on Sunday... All I kept hearing was Melbourne. You know, if Melbourne yeah. or when Melbourne beats Carlton, when yeah. Melbourne beats Geelong, uh, suddenly they're in the eight. Um, there was no mention of uh, the opposition whatsoever. And um, but I, in saying that, I've no doubt that Brendan Bolton and the coaching panel um, left no stone unturned after the Brisbane game. Yes. Look, there's so much to talk about in this game, and um, Danielle's very kindly uh, listed talking points here from the game. But I. I I have a few from of my own that um, if we think back to the previous week and that disastrous opening quarter against Brisbane, yeah. it became clear, Tony, from the outset that Carlton was on song against Melbourne and, yep. the, and, the, and the importance of the good start yep. obviously was a focus for the team all week. Um, look, there's so many things I can talk about and we will as we go along, but feel, feel free to jump in because... Um, it, it was great. It was just great to be there and to see that performance. Well, it was great uh, in terms of performance to see off Walks and Jamo. Yes, and uh, you know, to, to two players at least this year ended uh, watching the club, and they you know ended on a high. If you if you want, if they, you want to they had way. to walk the lap. Um, they they the ground was a tad heavy, and yeah. they couldn't get the car, uh, or they wouldn't permit the, the motorcade. Well, um, what about uh, the uh, hovercraft, Captain Carlton's hovercraft? Well, the hovercraft, well, I thought, might have been a chance. Or the horse and dray for Jemmo yeah. might have been lovely, but uh, that wasn't to be. It was lovely to see Mick Sexton um, uh, ring the bell too before the game, oh, the nice premiership work. player. So that was, that set the tone, didn't it? Yeah. And, um, but it was clear, Tony, from the outset that Carlton had come to play. And as I say, I, I mentioned the, the preparations, but... You know, the, the master stroke of Brendan Bolton's was um, the way that they um, obviously looked at Max Gore and the Melbourne Ruckman yeah. and thought, well, the, you know, the, the figurative head, the, 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 the spiritual leader of Melbourne and um, a most popular character, and a, you know, in all Australian form, he is the player that they obviously targeted and, and wanted to nullify. And um, a lot's been said of the performance of Cruiser and Phillips, but in actual fact, around the ground, you had two other Ruckman in, in Cripps and Gibbs yeah. taking those yeah. contests, the third man up. 
And what that did, that not only nullified Gorn because it was sheer weight of numbers against him, yeah. but it also threw out Melbourne's midfield. You know, like, you know the likes of Viney um, and um, um, Hogan, you know, you know, Brown. You yeah. know, um, um, sorry, Nathan Jones. Yeah. Um, not knowing whether they're Arthur or Martha, because you know they're standing on blokes that are at one minute um, taking contested possessions. The next minute are actually taking the ruck contest. Yeah. And I just thought that was a fabulous way of, of, of breaking down Melbourne's ascendancy in that critical area of the game of the ground. And um, all power to Brendan, as I said, the coaching committee for the, the meticulous planning that went into this contest. Um, Cripps is just in staggering form. Gibbs Gibbs is physical courage, and I mentioned that a lot, but he yes. was uh, he he was just an on-field leader on he Sunday. Was. He was magnificent. And his decision-making is uh, sublime. Yes. Uh, you know, when he's put into a corner, he just knows how to dispose of the ball beautifully. And he's got the finish that you would want every Carlton player to have. Yes. He just seemed to find a way. And and you're right. You know, I think uh, Carlton this year, if you look at their performances, by and large, they've worked pretty hard through most games. They've just unfortunately... You know, lack polish here and there, but I thought even at the start that at that opening um, we were hitting targets, and you know there were less half volleys with their field kicking, and we were finishing off pretty well in front of goal. And I think it just really, really set that positive tone that was followed through for four quarters, and and uh, for the most part, Carlton was not headed, uh, as I remember. But I, look, aside from the quadruple teaming of Max Gorn tone, um, I thought we were ferocious yes. in terms of. Um, uh, contested possession. Uh, I also like the way that the count players stood off their Melbourne opponents when they had the ball, because I think Melbourne were trying to force the draw the player and force the handball. Yeah. Well, Carlton st- sat off them, forced them to kick, and it seemed to break down their you know their quick movement of um, footy, which has probably been a trademark of their performances this, this year. The other thing I really liked about the team too was the way they the players controlled the tempo, yeah. particularly late in the game when Melbourne was looked like they were launching some sort of a surge, and Carlton just played keepings off for a little while and just to you know to to slow the game down and and actually have the game played on its terms. So I I think for uh, this was a, a a great victory for the group, you know, not only for the players as one, but. Um, to Brendan and all the coaches for the planning that went into this game against a team that had been running hot, let's be, let's be honest. It was a game plan that seemed to suit Dylan Buckley, who well, was utterly magnificent. That yes. goal, three steps, a 55, 60-metre kick in the wet was just... I mean, you talk about Bowie and his, his highlight reel on permanent loop at home. <laughs> I know Dylan doesn't need much uh, encouragement no. to be self-congratulatory, but after a game like that, he deserves to indulge in a bit, doesn't he? I think he does. Jimmy was always a good kick and must be said also, Tone, uh, just as Dylan is. And I think what we have to uh, further acknowledge Dylan for is the fact that, um, that the team lost Jack Silvani before the match was screaming for a you know a, a small forward or yeah. someone that could actually attack the goals, and um, he uh, he was copybook, wasn't he? In the yeah. way that way he finished and and really got the team off to a great start, and that was probably his best game for Carlton, I would yes. say. Yep. And all power to Dylan; he's a popular figure around the place, and um, I think he um, he looks a real danger up forward. You know, mm. he's in a different role now. I mean, I know he you know been learning his craft off a halfback flank for a long period of his early career, but maybe he's just the man Carlton needs um, uh, to hit the scoreboard, and um, let's hope there are many more games like that one. 
Can you summarise Patrick Cripps's game? Oh, look, the contested possession beast, it's, if it's, I could be so bold as to say that, Tony. He, he, um, I think we've said for a while now that in the absence of Murph, he really seems to have, um, you know, grown another leg. Yeah. And, and really taken the responsibility on that comes with uh, the position in which he plays. And it just seems to me that he invites uh, body contact and, mm. and uh, you know, brings on... He just seems to relish in the in the conditions that are demanded of a player. He's an elite player. We keep having to remind ourselves that he hasn't played 50 games, that he's still, what, I think, 21, 2021. 20, so it's all before him. Um, but, you know, I read a, a quote somewhere that I think I think the weekend was the 10th time this year – well, sorry, the 8th time this year that he'd racked up a, a 10 uh, contested possession game. Yeah. And the closest to him, I think, I read a stat somewhere, was – Josh Kennedy at Sydney with five. So that gives you an indication of where Patrick Cripps is at in terms of his playing career. And do, you, do you want to put money on him being an All-Australian? Um, look, he, he, I think his second half of the season has been a lot better. Whether, whether he's done enough this year to earn All-Australian uh, status remains to be seen. Um, I'm not sure about this year um, in terms of the season in totality, but you'd have to say, you know, he's going to be a, a player, you know, at that level... Um, Really push for all Australian selection um, from here on in. You would think. What were the rising star judges thinking on Sunday? Do you think Hogan? Uh, well, Cripps. well, you know, it's been one of those things, hasn't it? We we haven't had any joy at all in terms of the rising star, and if you, I guess if you follow the careers of both players since, uh, looking on as a spectator, Cripps certainly seems to be settled yeah. and, and happy, and um, you know, comfortable in his own skin. Whereas Hogan, I, I suspect, has got some decisions to make in terms of where he wants to play and, yeah. and maybe that's a contributing factor to the, the pressure that he seems to be under as on, on the field at the moment. So uh, maybe there are mitigating factors, but let's just say you'd love them both at Carlton, but let's be grateful that <laughs> yeah, we've got yeah. the crippler. Now, um, David Cunningham, or Richie, is, yeah. is inevitably going to be yes. known, and I think he is. Yes. Um, he's got a bit of class about a him. A bit of class about him. Um, a, a lovely turn of speed, which is certainly something we need. And it seems to have the football smarts. I recall, Tony, uh, a glorious mark he took late in the game yes. on, the, on the AFL members' yep. uh, flank, if you recall. I, he's one of those players, you know, like... Um, um, Weetering like Charlie Kuno, like Mackay, we just want to get games into, and um, it's unfortunate that um, through the season we haven't yet seen all of our five national draftees playing the same game. Yeah, we'll probably get close this week. I reckon Harry Mackay be uh, giving giving it a hell of a shake this week, um, but unfortunately Charlie still um, has been battling injury and whatever illness this year, so we haven't seen all five run out for Carlton. But that is the future of the club. And in uh, Richie Cunningham, I think we've got a, a, a real play of, of uh, class and polish. Where do you think he'll settle? Where do, like, what, what is his natural position? Well, I think they re- the, the, the club recruited him as an on-ball player. Yeah. So I suspect that, you know, as he uh, gets games under his belt, that we might see him pushed up the ground. Um, seem to be playing, you know, mid-forward uh, yeah. through the course of the Melbourne match. But I suspect with time and, and with experience we may see him as part of the, um, the engine room of the club. So he, he's certainly uh, a player of the future, and he, and he looks rather exciting now you to mentioned, see play. You mentioned McKay. Is, is, his, is his body ready to go, do you think? Well, 
I believe it is, and I and I, I my understanding is that he had a pretty good uh, hit out last week um, with the Northern Blues. So I, I I suspect that the coaching panel for some time wanted to be given the excuse to select, yeah, you know Harry Mackay. They've they've had to hold back because perhaps his form hasn't warranted selection. But I think he turned into good one at the weekend. So wouldn't surprise me last game of the season that we get to see a little bit of Harry Mackay, and that in itself would be worth Count supporters um, heading heading up to the G once more. And there are a lot of other reasons why yes. we should get down there. We'll <laughs> yes, there discuss are. that later. Yes, there are. But uh, that's uh, one of them. I want to uh, just um, throw a light on uh, Pusser Graham's game. Yes. I thought he was, he was a late inclusion because uh, was uh, sorry Sam Kerridge was crook, I believe, and uh, uh, Nick Graham stepped up and played a great game. Played a great game and um, come with the hour, come with the man, as yeah. you say. He was a late inclusion. He, he took full advantage of the opportunity presented. You know, it was a call that came out of left field in some respects. He booted two. He said he probably should have uh, snagged four. Yeah, but one was that's a lovely cheeky goal. It was a lovely just, cheeky goal. It was fantastic. It was. And he certainly contributed um, greatly to the uh, the end result. Um, and I think when you reflect on that game, and there, there are other players, you know, we're looking at um, the best players here. Um, and another a name that jumps off the page for me is um, is um, Liam Jones because I think yes. he was another one. Yeah. That look, he took some great marks. We saw contested contested marks, but. Just the one percenters to be able to run down people and put in the hard yards, try and keep the ball in the forward line. Again, I think that was one of his better better performances yep. for Carlton, and that is what we got at the weekend. We got a return from everyone who took to the field, and that's what you need to win at this level. Well, you certainly do. So what I'm going to do now, Tony, is uh, put you on the spot. Yes. And on behalf of us, you're going to on behalf of the two tones, you're going to nominate your three, two, one, which is always difficult after a great win. It is. There's so many players that are you know worthy of um, of uh, vote getting in this game, Tone. And I begin with an apology to Simo because uh, I thought he was tremendous. Yeah. Uh, but but I wanted to give Dylan a um, a bit of a uh, push-up. Oh, you have um, to. Your three goals, great performance, came in uh, or, or fulfilled the job that Silvani probably would have taken, was tremendous uh, um, contributor to the game early, I yeah. think, when the when the win was set up. And that would have to do wonders for his confidence. He's that sort of player too. He's got that bubble and uh, about him mm. and when he's up and about, it really seems to be infectious. It sort of carries through to the rest of the playing group. And there's a, a guy, you know, son of a gun who really wants to play for the club and loves Carlton. So, well done, Dylan. All power to you. Keep it going. Two, I gave to Bryce Gibbs. Um, you know, we talked about him earlier, Tony. Sublime performance from Bryce. Um, experienced head now. And yeah. again, another player that's had to shoulder the workload with Mark Murphy, not about. But I thought he and, and intended with Cripps were... Um, were fantastic for yeah. the club and really contributed to the result. And the Crippler, P. Cripps, couldn't oh. go past him for three votes. It was an extraordinary game from a, um, a unique footballer, a um, truly unique player. Uh, look, well-adjudicated tone. I just want to, before we get on to uh, previewing the game against um, the mortal enemy... Um, uh, Jakob Vettering yes. uh, was yes. interviewed after the game and yes. had... Uh, had a nice pack on the shoulder. How did he pull up? He pulled up all right. He's he Obviously, when we reflect on the year, it was the Essendon game early on in the season yeah. in which he went down with that shoulder. 
think it was the same one. But he's uh, progressing nicely. I had a, a rare opportunity to um, uh, interview Jakob yeah. after the match. Thoroughly enjoyed myself too, Tony. And he was saying that the legacy of, of a long season, this is first, is perhaps starting to take its toll. Yeah. Certainly he's uh, indicated that he really relished the opportunity of a, 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 perhaps an extended pre-season mm. to really get his body up to speed to withstand the rigours of the 2017 football calendar year. But look, you you reflect on his first year for the Carlton Football Club, uh, he's been fantastic at soon half back and, and really... Form part of the success story of 2016, which is that um, that group of you know Simpson, um, Rowe, Tui, um, White, White, Sam Doherty. Uh, they've just been tremendous, and um, uh, we're so grateful that we've got um, you know a, a, a number one draftee, Tony and Dark Navy, and holding up the, uh, the the defensive half of the Carlton Football Club. Um, he's been a great player for Carlton this year, and he'll only get better. And if you want to see how uh, Jakob's year started, go and have a look at the journey. Remember that yes. he was the only one of the players uh, who stayed up all night. Yes. Just had that kind of natural authority about him that all that's, the other rookies and that's all the right. other um, you know, young players recognised immediately. And it's a good think, point, Tone. Hey? I think Bolt saw that. The other, the other thing that stands out for me, me just subliminally with uh, Vieteringer's draft Day of draft night, whenever it was, when oh, his name was called, yes. and he looked down at that Carlton Guernsey with pride yes. and admiration. Do you remember that? Yes, tone? I do. What a moment! Yeah, that was a moment, and that's—I think any Carlton supporter or member that has seen that can really relate and identify with it. And they—that's what exactly what they want to see. They yeah. want to see their players care for the Guernsey that they put on every time that they run out. And I, I just think that was a magnificent moment. And and that's day one. And, and when we reflect on, I you know, I hear that Dane Swan put, hung the boots up today yep. and uh, tribute was paid there. When we reflect on Jakob Wiertering's career 15 years from now, they'll go back to that piece of footage yeah. and say, well, there was a man that gave... He's absolute all for the Carlton Football Club. Great to see. Uh, indeed. And congrats to Dane Swan too. Um Yes, look, it's no secret that we love uh, Veer on this show. <laughs> um, just before we move on, just a, one thing I do want to point out. Um, Whitey's work as last line of defence. Yes. I think he's, he's just ever reliable oh, right down the back. He is. You know, the ultimate competitor, you'd probably say, of uh, Simon White. Been a tremendous player for, for the club. Again, I think what's great about the, the defensive group is that they've they're settled. Yeah. They've had so many opportunities to play now alongside with each other. They know their little idiosyncrasies and they, they can adjust to any game in which they play. And I think the fact that we've got continuity out of that group means that there's stability there uh, upon which we can build. Um, and I, as I said earlier, I think if we reflect on 2016, there have been a lot of success stories, none greater than that of the Carlton defensive group, of which Simon White is such an integral part. Uh, the other thing I want to point out about 2016, just my own observation, there does seem that pride has returned. Yes. That, that genuine pride. You can see the, that yeah, in the way they play? Yes. And it wasn't, it, uh, it seemed not to exist last year in 2015. That's it's true. It's definitely been there in abundance in 2016. I that's get a true. much greater sense of that. No, this nice year to hear. Than I have in a long time. So, nice and to hear. And, you know, and uh, any supporter doesn't mind. Uh, 
you get frustrated, of course, with nine losses in a row, yes. but it's all about effort and belief and commitment. That's and, right. And, the, and the group has definitely had that this year. They have, and my only frustration from the week in Tony was not acquiring a, an Andrew Walker bobblehead. I got there a bit too late, unfortunately. So really? There you have it. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I, I managed to secure you did, one. You did very well. And uh, well. I tell you, it's very wise. You just ask it any question. <laughs> And uh, the wise man... Yes, uh, he nods approvingly. Must have been all that indigenous wisdom just nods. Uh, so, oh, dear, oh, dear. Um, should I have another beer, Andrew? And he just, he just nods. It's, it's almost like he knows me. <laughs> so now, um, there, we love a game where there's something at stake, obviously. Now, yes. This is not a dead rubber, this game, because oh, no. something against Essendon truly is at stake. Can there is something is, there Tony that pe- piques my interest, Tony, and it's a little matter of the, the timber receptacle that um, – Maybe going the way of the Bob race if uh, all goes to plan yeah. on Saturday afternoon. You realise, of course, Tony, that um, both Carlton and Eston share 16 premierships. Although, might I just state as a historian of the club that yeah. that Carlton only can lay claim to 16 grand final victories because two of Eston's premierships, 1897 and 1924, were acquired in round-robin format, oh, not really? on the traditional Saturday in September. So we have 16 uh, grand final victories. I have 14. I just wanted to throw that into the uh, It's a small thing that matter. It is. And, but coincidentally, we've both got four of the uh, timber receptacles. The wooden spoons. The wooden spoons. Regrettably, our four have been earned in the last 15 years. Essendon's last was 1933, 83 years ago, and wow. Dick Reynolds was in his first season for Essendon as a footballer. So the Dead Sea was only sick in 1933 <laughs> when Essendon's last won the wooden spoon. Yeah. And, of course, we can, we can affect uh, uh, wooden spoon number five on that um, much-hated opposition if all goes to plan Saturday afternoon. So... Just another reason for Carlton supporters to get down there, but you know, maybe armed with the wooden spoon, but just keep it tucked in the uh, the top pocket until yeah. uh, until all goes to plan and um, the the result goes Carlton's way. I Let's tell you, um, yeah, making the filth uh, leave the ground with another wooden spoon would be a real shot in the arm <laughs> to the Carlton Football Club. So <laughs> let's do it. Let's inflict some further humiliation on them. Just as we did in 1999. Where are you now, Dean Wallace? Uh, is it a good idea to try to run around Fraser Brown? I don't no. think so. <laughs> Do so at your peril, Dean. Exactly. Uh, so, yes, it is the last game of the season. Uh, Essendon are coming off a 40-point loss to the Bulldogs. You would um, not want to underestimate them because they are they are playing for their season, basically. Oh, and they hate us too. Yeah. And they will want to, uh, you know... Bring misery and doom and gloom to the place, so um, that's fine. I'm sure Carlton similarly would like to inflict pain on them. So uh, all's fair in love and war, isn't it, Tone? Let's just hope that we see an honesty of performance yep. that we got against Melbourne once again against the the same olds this weekend. You're using the word honest in relation to Essendon. That could be a very rubbery term there, Tone. Thank but you very I'm much. Just indulging in a bit of partisanship now. Um, the, Look, for Essendon, I guess um, you could cynically say, are they playing for draft picks? Well, look, it's been, you know, Ennis Horribilis for them, obviously. And, um, yes, there will be early selections afforded them this year. Um, but I'm sure that um, the game at, at, at hand is the one that perhaps um, 
it captures their focus, yeah. so it should, as it should indeed with Carlton. Both teams would probably want to be finishing off, you know, with uh, some uh, degree of optimism. Um, certainly, I think a lot of optimism would have um, been instilled amongst Carlton people last week for mm. the way Carlton, the Carlton players went about their business. And um, I think it's really, really important to finish off the year strongly to give give all of us genuine cause for for hope and optimism going into the 2017 season, Tone. Well, I thought the crowd of 41,000 at the, the Surprised MCG. me. I didn't was, think it was that, that many. A, that was a big endorsement. It of, was. Of where, of where both clubs are going. Yes, yes. And uh, Melbourne, you would probably argue, maybe slightly more advanced in terms of their mm. regeneration as a football team uh, compared with Carlton. And, and yet we learnt what can be done when you've got, you know, 18 players and four yeah. uh, banding together and, and playing as well as they did. And quality coaches as well. Absolutely, uh, absolutely really so. Uh, and it should be said too that, you know, I think we're currently in 14th position. So um, we're, again, going to be privy to early selections also. And, mm. and I think, um, as we all know, Tony, the Carlton uh, uh, playing group is a work in progress and I think we'll continue to see new players coming in to really um, improve the... Uh, the overall depth and uh, breadth of this team. And uh, it's, uh, the great man has said, Bolts has said, he wants this to be a destination club. Yes. And uh, that's certainly going to be interesting watching how, um, you know, players uh, who are available make an effort to play for Carlton. That's, yes. that's definitely going to be an interesting yes. thing to watch. Yes, and you and I are here. We're happy to be here, aren't we, Tony? Wouldn't and be anywhere else, Tony. Yep. Are you kidding me? Exactly right. So get on down. We must... Defeat, destroy, humiliate, grind into the dust. We must hear the weeping and lamentation of their women. I'm quoting from Conan the Barbarian there. I love it. Uh, Essendon versus Carlton, Saturday the 27th of August at the MCG at 2.10pm. Be there and give ensure. Me, give me a long sleeve, Tony. I'll run out. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, this has been The Two Tones, episode 29, Tony, Demo, uh, Tony DeMoclair and Tony DeVolfo signing off. Goodbye, Tony. Look uh, forward to seeing you next week. And good luck. Good luck with the new stint on AW, the oh, midnight program. Yes. You started this week. I uh, did. All power to you. And uh, for those Carlton supporters that are, that are in delirium um, uh, next uh, next Saturday night after we transition, and they could do no worse than to tune into you. That's right. Uh, to hear your dulcet tones of midnight uh, on AW. That's right. So um, the new Overnights guy, uh, let's see, uh, Monday to Friday. So it's yes. start on a... Well, I get in there on a Sunday night, yeah. you know, first start first thing here's Monday. The, here's the body clock. It's not too bad two days in, but ask me in a month. Okay. It'll be a different answer. No, sleep is highly overrated. <laughs> uh, so this has been The Two Tones. Uh, we will catch you next week. In the meantime, go Blues. Go Blues. Go Blues.